Hello, Velociraptors. Welcome to another exciting edition of Andrew's Velocicast. Brought you here from Andrew's Hunker Bunker in New Biggin by the Sea. So, just to make you aware, uh, today what we're going to look to do is we're going to aim to help um, some A level students uh, studying the OCR course, particularly the philosophy side of the course. Um, and hopefully anybody who's, who's sort of just generally interested in philosophy. Today, and I'm going to be really, really quick today, we're going to go at a fair old pace because we've got quite a lot of content to deliver today. Um, I'm going to talk to you about the teleological argument. Um, now, straight away here, I mean, for, for, for me, the teleological argument is almost, it's almost the philosophical sort of training argument. Everybody's had a go at it. All philosophers have had a chat about it. And I would imagine that anybody with any sort of interest in philosophy uh, or argument has had a sort of, sort of a thought about this uh, this kind of argument and the way it's it's put together deductively. Now straight away, let's look at the origins of the teleological argument. Um, you can almost guess by, by the term telos that it's Aristotelian in nature. It's a posteriori argument. It's deductive, uh, almost classic in the way that it is put together. Like all philosophical arguments, sort of uh, our starting point here is going to be it's going to be Aquinas. Aquinas is kind of the first, the first guy that's sort of famous. There's loads of other people talk about it before Aquinas, but Aquinas is sort of the, the first uh, signpost in this, if we're going to argue chronologically. And Aquinas writes about this in Summa Theologica, all theology. Uh, remember, Aquinas himself is writing to a faith-based audience, so it's fides, querens, intellectum. Uh, and with this argument, what Aquinas does is he, is he borrows heavily on, on Aristotle's sort of language. And he says, if we look around the world... And we observe it again, classically Aristotelian. He says we see we see purpose and we see regularity. Now the term he uses is qua purpose and qua regularity. Don't be frightened by all this posh Latin. Qua just means relating to. Now in terms of purpose and regularity, he says wherever you look, we see we see purpose. We see that everything has a purpose. Now he says, following that sort of logic, where there is purpose. There is a plan. There is a designer. He also sees. He says. You see regularity. So he sees. You see things of uh, of a regular pattern and shape. And he says again, whenever you see that sort of thing, you see a designer. The example that Ar that Aquinas uses uh, to explain this in a lot a lot better way that I can is he talks about a seed. You see the purpose of a seed. You see the regularity of a seed, and that's the the sort of a really really quick Aquinas Aquinas. And his version of the teleological argument. However, the teleological argument has many, many, many roots, many branches. For me, um, possibly the most famous uh, example of the teleological argument is is William Paley's watchmaker argument. And this is where you get the classic idea of the design argument with it. Now, William Paley was uh, Archbishop of Carlisle, I believe. So again, he's, he's writing to a faith-based audience when he's doing this. Now, what Paley says is, and it, it's quite clever, um, he says, imagine you're, you're walking, walking across a moor, and you look down, you see a rock. Uh, at no point do you think that that rock uh, was designed. He says, you walk a little bit further, and you bend down, and you see, you see a watch. You see a watch. Now, he says, you look at that watch, and your immediate thought is that that is designed. It is complex. It shows uh, many, many intricate intricate parts that are designed for a purpose. He says, your immediate thought is that that watch is designed. And he then comes up with the great 
really, really sort of famous, famous quote. He says, well, if you would agree that a watch needs a watchmaker, then you must you must come to the conclusion deductively that the universe needs a universe maker. This is a, an idea that many, many prominent thinkers have thought about. Leonardo da Vinci says that the hand is is uh, enough proof for the existence of God. We can talk about the human eye, thousands of, 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 of complex cells for, for one purpose. Um, many other thinkers have, have rolled with this. I mean, Fred Hoyle's kind of kind of um, a great quotable guy that you can talk about this. He's, he says, there's as much chance of a hurricane blowing through a junkyard and creating a jumbo jet that the universe came upon by, by chance. The guy I want to talk to you about now, just, just briefly, is, is a guy called F.R. Tennant, who comes up with something called the anthropic principle. Um, anthros meaning to do with, with human life or intelligent life. This, and you can get some good evaluation marks here, philosophers, uh, this is also known as the Goldilocks argument because what Tennant says is that there's too much stuff in the universe that is just right. Now what Tennant talks about here is he talks about the position of, of planet Earth in the solar system. It's in the habitable zone, the Goldilocks zone. It's neither too hot, being clo- too close to the sun, nor just too cold, being too far away. Planet Earth is, is tilted on its axis, which would indicate that it would give us seasons. Planet Earth has a moon um that allows us tides all of these things allow intelligent life to flourish planet earth has a has a uh, a molten core uh, a molten iron core which spins giving us the magnetosphere which protects us from from the um solar uh, radiation planet earth um has all of its uh, its epochs its anthropocene its its jurassic its cretaceous periods its ice ages at the same point what tenant is saying is that it is almost too much of a chance uh, for all of these things, all of these coincidences to happen. He says it's almost like the universe has been designed as a place where intelligent life can flourish. And that's that's why it's also, it, it's kind of known as the Goldilocks theory. That's a really, really quick race through the real basics of the teleological argument, of the design argument, the watchmaker argument, and so on and so forth. Many other philosophers have have had a go at it. Like I say, it's, it's almost like it's the, the sort of training bike for philosophers. Everybody has a go at it. In our next podcast, uh, I would like to talk to you about the flaws in the design argument. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite philosophers, a guy called David Hume. Um, Try and have a think about this. Um, remember, uh, you, you'll only get sort of 20, 25 marks. Knowledge essays in this, you don't have to repeat everything verbatim, but be aware of, of the names that I've talked about there. Of course, there are many other philosophers you can bring in um, and try and think of how this links to other aspects of your course for your band six marks. Um, lovely to speak to you. Hope you're all doing well. Bye-bye.